All right. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, today's episode is going to be part two to our being LGBTQ plus during a pandemic. Uh, we're going to pick up right where we left off last week. But first, here is a little bit about our practice. So Common Sense Mental Health is a it's it's basically the overhead for a group of private providers, uh, licensed mental health counselors, social workers, uh, and we operate within our own practices and we provide uh, teletherapy throughout New York State. We also provide in-person therapy as well within the Capital Region and all of our providers are competent in teletherapy. Uh, We specialize in video, phone, as well as text-based services and some of our providers have their own practice that work with Common Sense and in those practices they may be overseeing uh, interns or um, sort of pre-licensed providers who are under limited permits uh, or something along those lines. Uh, But that is Common Sense Mental Health in a nutshell. Um, any questions, you're always welcome to reach out and ask, and we will be happy to answer. So how yeah. can I? <laughs> you know? So, uh, I, so do you get what I'm saying, though? I do. I mean, I think part of it... Yeah, because I, I, in kind of going off what, what, what you were saying, Emma, I think, and, and Gabe, I think that as a therapist, I've been trying really hard to just sit. Because what will happen is, I think... We have to we have to we have to realize that people who are in their own particular situation and they are their best expert in that situation and in, the, in their own life, they've thought through all of this, right? They have thought through their options. Some of them, you know, for some people, they haven't they haven't you know they just don't know about the options. And hopefully, listening to something like this, they hear, oh, well, there's this resource and I can I can do that. And that is accessible to me. That'd be that's great. But there are cases where someone's going to listen to this and they're going to be like, yep, I have thought of all of that. I've looked all of that up. I have you know thought about what to do with my parents. I thought about you know I thought about coming out, I thought about not coming out, and it's, you know, and, and that, 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 that is what that is. Um, so as a therapist, so just, just, just as a side, just as a, as a therapist, what I, where I've been arriving to with that is just sitting with them in that, because at that point, I think if we continue to try to problem solve with that person, it's like... I think that only adds, and understandably, only adds to the frustration around it. Because it's like, again, I've, I've thought through this stuff. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, and I think part of it is just acknowledging that, yeah. you know. But I hear what you're saying, though, Carlos. You're right. I mean, it's because it's there are also, I think, instances where um, people really are looking, you know, for support. They're looking to try to make this better. Um, Gabe, were you going to say something? Before? Yeah, so, um, think, you know, just kind of jumping off of that, like, I mean, you know, if, if there are LGBT, um, you know, different resources near your area, you know, not every every place does have, you know, like an out alliance or something like that. Um, but if there is something like that and you just want to reach out to someone else that understands, you know, what you're going through and might be able to help a little bit more, um, you know, definitely look into the resources in your area. Um, but... Yeah, I, I, I agree, Tim. You know, every situation is different, so it's a little hard to, like, be able to say, do this. Mm. Yeah. For the people who, because, Tim, I hear you as well on um, just sometimes the acknowledgement of you're in a crappy situation and that sucks is, like, the best we can do as a therapist because mm-hmm. we can't jump in and change everything. Um, it's not appropriate for us to just do all of the problem solving um, and like you said a lot of the times the clients have done a pretty extensive amount of problem solving on their own and have explored a lot of possibilities um, so I say this hesitantly like 
this is something that may be helpful for some, but getting involved in any kind of like online community during this time, um, mm. like I, I kind of jumped to Reddit. I'm in a, a therapist Reddit. Nice. Um, I kind of want to have a little asterisk on this, but like, you know, go to Reddit for some support if you're kind of feeling trapped at home. It's not therapy. It is not a clinical tool. There are toxic people. There are hateful people. It is mm. not. It's like I can't say it is always going to be the safest space. I think that there are some subreddit communities that are really good at like getting hateful people out, but there is still the possibility of you know your post is the one that somebody's hateful on, and you still have to feel that. Um, so I, I'm not. I'm offering it more as like a like this is better than nothing kind of a solution, and it can mm-hmm. be really nice to get some of that acknowledgement and camaraderie. Um, but there are also risks with it, so I'm not like 100 percent in love with that solution. But it's it's out there. Absolutely. It is a great support. Uh, Reddit is, Reddit is great for LGBT plus people. It just is. It's a great it's a great place for um, you know. It is kind of a, a good support place, um, especially for the trans community, from my understanding. I haven't really used it, but I, I'm aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, um, specifically, I mean, on trans things, you know, any you, there's a bunch of YouTubers and stuff like that. If you need, like, some kind of support, I found so many trans uh, YouTubers that are incredibly inspiring and positive and yeah they'll talk about the hard issues but they you know as a as a trans person myself you know it's uh it's really great to see especially if you're going through a hard time yeah yeah um so i definitely you know recommend that as a, a potential outlet as well not all of them are positive but there's a lot of positive ones that i found out there that's a fantastic suggestion that actually hadn't even occurred to me. So, so basically what I'm hearing from all of uh, your suggestions from all of you um, is basically everyone's situation is unique and it's really up to you to kind of find how to best take care of yourself at, the, at this time. Like we can't really tell you how to navigate this you kind of have to look at everything that's being provided to you or all the different resources that are around you and picking what's best for you like there's no one person that can say give you the answer but you Hmm. I think that it's possible to find people who can help steer you right Um, I think it's difficult talking to a single directed person when we're in a podcast for everyone Mm -hmm. um so I think, you know, it's absolutely possible if, you know, if somebody listening was my actual client, I could probably give some more directed feedback, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like there is support out there and there are, are resources out there. And, yeah, it is on you Yeah. to find them, in a sense. Right. Mm-hmm. With support, but mm-hmm. you got to find it first. Yeah. What if... Um, do you mind if we kind of jog into, like, uh, where maybe an unsupportive family that's not abusive? Uh, yeah. yeah. Kind of how to talk, talk to them or try to deal with that, cope with that situation? I think that's fine. I also appreciate you saying that we're going to jog into that. Like, that sounded very, like, you know, like, Monday morning, you know, like... 
I don't know who jogs on Monday morning, but Look, you know. I, I haven't taken my run yet. I needed to say it that way. <laughs> this is a work. I will not jog so. anywhere. So <laughs> I will scroll up and find you guys later. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Cool. So yeah, let's. We can transition into that. Let's just take another quick break so Tim can do one other quick spotlight. And oh, you got then... that one in there. Look at that. That's very, very smooth. Yeah. I'm learning. I'm learning. <laughs> so yeah, we can stop here and we'll be right back. So our spotlight for today uh, is going to be Carolyn Ilaqua. She is a licensed master social worker with our practice. Um, she has various specialties. So she has extensive experience as a teacher, uh, specifically uh, as a uh, art teacher. And she has, or she works with uh, her clients in terms of visual art. Um, she also has experience working with clients facing uh, HIV and AIDS. And she specializes in CBT, psychoeducation, grief and loss, um, and again, also working just in general with families. Uh, in, in their in their kids, um, again, great to work with. I say that about all of our all of our providers, um, but she <laughs> because it's true because <laughs> it's true. Um, but yeah, very down to earth, um, and it's just a, just a total sweetheart. Um, so yeah, she's 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 really really fun to work with. So I'd highly recommend her. She's currently taking uh, self pay and CPHP and out of network benefits. All right, and we're back. I want to uh, thank you, Tim, for that wonderful spotlight on oh, Carolyn. You're welcome. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> I love it because you uh, you start every time with like today's spotlight. And it's just very. I guess it's that talk show host voice we were talking about earlier. Yeah, it comes out. I did not realize I had this. I did not realize this was like a thing. Yeah, it kind of like I don't know how it, how to explain it. It's like an airy voice. Like, airy voice. Yeah, like you you put a lot of air in the in the syllables as you speak it out. So I, I have I have a quick side story off of this. Very quick. Um, so I used to get made fun of this, and I think it's actually it's it's I guess maybe it is a talk show host voice, Emma. But it, I I think it's more so the customer service voice and having worked in customer service prior to being a therapist. Um, I used to get made fun of. Um, I I worked at and I feel like I told this story on air before I don't think you I have may that. have and that happens all the time on podcasts so don't feel bad about it I do it in real life too um, <laughs> but um not that this isn't real life um but um yeah we both worked at this actually same hotel at different points um I worked for a Hilton Garden Inn local here within Albany and um I used to get made fun of because I'd be I would you know be talking like this right in like a normal conversation phone would ring I go to answer it and my people would say my voice immediately shifted into this customer service oh, voice oh hi I'd be like this is the Hilton Garden Inn by the Albany Airport this this is Tim speaking like very quickly like oh without yeah. missing a beat um yeah like, I could still like do it in my sleep um I answered well, that phone so many times yeah well I worked at a call center and I did the same it's the same thing you you create this customer service voice and right it's kind of annoying actually <laughs> it is I, I, I probably hates it yeah, yeah. I don't think oh. I do I, you definitely do. Do I? Like when you when you answer the phone, oh. like, and if anyone who's looking for services, if you end up calling our practice to work with someone, and you get Carlos, uh, who who will who will call you back, uh, yeah, your voice totally shifts. Huh? Interesting. I never noticed it. Yep. Anyway. Yep. <laughs> All right. To kind of like pull it back into what we were yes. talking about. Yes. Um, I wanted to uh, mention those two places that I mentioned earlier that I didn't know the names of. Um, there is WRYWCA Northeastern New York, which is a domestic violence uh like I don't want to say shelter, but they provide an area for for women who go through domestic violence to kind of empower them and 
and get them back on their feet and things like that. Um, there's also uh, Safe House, which is basically a youth homelessness uh, shelter, essentially, and they help get the youth off the street. So, and those are both based in uh, Schenectady. Mm. So, nice. Yeah. Nice. And I think uh, Gabe wanted to touch on a few things before we took our break. Yes, so so I wanted to just kind of go into talking about unsupportive family members um, that are not abusive but are just unsupportive um, and how Mm. different ways that we can possibly, like, help help people, like, deal with that and cope with that. Um, You know, for me, uh, one of the things just... Just in general, like if I, if someone says something negative about me being trans, or if someone says something negative about you know gay issues, or um, really anything that I'm kind of like you know if somebody said something racist or something like that, you know like how would I how would I deal with that and how do I respond, you know? And I was thinking about how I used to, you know, when I was younger, I used to, you know, be more angry and be more upset. And, you know, I was thinking about, like, usually if someone responds that way, you know, yeah, my response is, wow, this stu- this, this person's stupid. Or, <laughs> you know, I, I think that in my head. But, like, the way I usually respond is a little more, like, educational now when someone says something negative to me. Mm. Um, or I just kind of let it go and move on and I was trying to figure out like well how, how did I get to this place you know and um, one of the major things that for me has been positive self-talk and I think just uh, you know being more secure in myself and I think self-talk positive self-talk um, really helps you to respond uh, more you know maybe not positively, but in, in a more mature level when someone says something off-putting, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, so I kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit. Do you, do you guys have anything else off that? Yeah. So it kind of sounds like you, you kind of are filtering yourself. Like, you understand that it's a, sh- a crappy thing that's happening, and you want to react one way, but you're... You, you almost said something else. I have to cut you off. What, what, what were you going to say? <sighs> shitty. Yeah. Okay? I was going to say shitty. It's okay, you can swear on the podcast. <laughs> I know. I just want to... Whatever. <laughs> I, th- I think we established that last time. Anyway, we we sorry, did. I didn't mean oh, to we established it everywhere. But we're allowed to swear? Oh, yeah, we are allowed to swear. Gabe's like, yes, yes. It's because I do it so much, I want to, like, kind of pull it back so it doesn't, like, sound Yeah, you were like, shit crappy. <laughs> Yes. Um, no, I forgot what I was saying. I'm so sorry. I, that was my bad. Um, you talk. He's you, not sorry at all. No, he's not. You were. You were okay. You were. Um, uh, you were reflecting back on what Gabe was saying about people who are not necessarily. Yes. Okay. Yes. So basically, you're, you're filtering yourself, and um, you want to react one way, but to keep the situation as positive as possible, you filter yourself and kind of like react in a different way that you normally wouldn't react in, basically, is what I'm hearing. To kind of protect yourself. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Just that I react in maybe a more mature and like calm sense than, than I would have in the past. Right. And, um, you know, and I'd say a lot of that comes from just, like, 
positive self-talk and also just, you know, being more secure in myself. And how, how did I get there? Positive self-talk is huge. I think another thing is just um, kind of realizing, especially especially if they're attacking my identity, mm-hmm. in a sense, you know, um, okay, you know, I'd say that that's that came from that's coming from you know me being becoming more secure in that identity and me being more like okay the reason I came out was to be you know more honest about who I am and to be myself and that that's coming from more inner strengths and so when you acknowledge that and you're like okay I came out for this reason. If somebody attacks that identity, it doesn't hurt as bad because you're, you're, you're coming from that inner strength that you kind of, this is why I'm out, you know, mm-hmm. um, at least for myself. Yeah. So that, that brings up in my mind, um, uh, trans, the trans community, like what's going on with like, uh, surgeries are, are they, are they still happening? Are they considered essential? Like, if someone mm. is trying to transition... They're, they're not considered essential right now. And so there, there are a lot of people um, in the trans community right now that are getting, you know, having another setback, which is really right. unfortunate because, you know, it's at least... As a trans person, you know, just trying to go through all of the things that we have to, you know, name change, you know, surgeries, things like that, that takes long enough as is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you always, like, uh, for top surgery, you need two letters. For, you know, bottom surgery, you need three. You know, it's just like, here's another setback for a, a lot of people that have ha- had to experience setback after setback. And sometimes, you know, lack of insurance and things like that have set them back too. You know, there's some people that have waited for off surgeries for like six to eight years and now, you know, they may have had it scheduled and they can't even get that surgery right now. So yeah. that's definitely affecting the community currently. Yeah, it's terrible. Absolutely. Yeah, that's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like, think about it, like you, you're ready to be like the real you and you can't now. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine like coming to that realization that you're ready to be you, mm-hmm. and the government is saying no. Yeah, not right now. Sorry. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. 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 Well, that and and even just and I've, I've had some people talk about this, just the the sort of labeling of that, right? That this is a non-essential, or this is a it's considered a uh, elective right. procedure, and in that person's context it it, it certainly is not uh, like, that yeah is not, it's like it could technically be a life or death surgery for someone right exactly absolutely uh, yeah. like well i mean imagine just having to keep on sitting in that dysphoria like mm-hmm. we, we are all know i meaning the four of us here we all know um just significantly higher rates of depression suicidal gestures ideation attempts mm-hmm. um there's just so many risk factors and throw in substance use and you know it's half of a joke a lot on social media but like substance use is increasing during this pandemic which it um, is yeah, yeah and, and that's I mean can be a bit riskier not not to you know devalue the risks of substance use for everybody else but I'm thinking specifically for like the trans community just adding uh, on top of it yeah, yeah like just yep. all the stressors man mm-hmm yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, yeah, as we're as we're talking about this, and it kind of going back to what you had brought up earlier, Carlos, um, and and I think it ties right into what you were saying, Gabe. I think this is one of those things where there's no there's no way to sugarcoat that. You know, there's no way to say, oh, well, just look at it this way, and oh, well, you know, oh, but at least you can reschedule for after the you know when the pandemic ends. It's like, yeah, I mean, this you know, and there there are cases where that person will be able to. There's cases where, again, based on a variety of factors, they may not be able to, right? That that and that's a whole other set of trauma with this. Um, in a lot of cases, they they you know someone will be able to, but. Even so, there's just no way to sugarcoat the fact that exactly that this person is going to be sitting with this dysphoria in this particular way even longer. And especially having like I've had it described to me, too. It's like it, it would have been one thing if this wasn't already scheduled. Like I wasn't I had I have had people literally say to me, I wasn't quite thinking about my dysphoria or even experiencing it in this way. And this is a this is this is also very psychological, but also very, very real um, that that effect when you get closer to something and you're about to get that thing. Um, this is going to be kind of a weird analogy, but it was explained to me this way, and it, it's, it's very spot on. It's like when you have to use the restroom and you're getting really close to being home, that last two minutes of getting in the door is like, you know, the, you're rushing in, it's the hardest. It's like it's like that with anything that you're building up to, and I think that's happened with this, where if someone had something scheduled, they had it planned, and like you were saying, Gabe, they've gone through 18,000 barriers to get to this point, the, the experience is amplified times 10, and at that last moment, this happens. So it's like... Yeah. You know, so like that's and there's just no way to like you can throw CBT on that all day long. There's just no way of cognitively reframing that that, you know, that I think can, you know, fix it or, or, or make it completely better. I do think, though, and again, what I think we're saying ties back to what, what Gabe brought up, the, the positive self-talk. Um, I think people brush this off too quickly. And I think that it's not meant to be an end all be all, but it is meant to, I think, treat yourself better and with more respect when the world around you still is not, or when you're facing, again, the things that we're talking about here. Um, and it's something, again, it's not an end all be all, but it is something that I think can be in one's control. Um, you know, and, and how, how one engages in that. So I just want to acknowledge that, and Gabe, I appreciate you sharing that before, because I think that's a that's a great tool um, that, that can be used right now. Um, I, I think it's harder depending on, on one's circumstances, but I think in a lot of cases it can make a, it can make a positive difference to do that. Um, yeah. For sure. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, that's, that's been, I think, a huge help for me personally, and I can't say that it can help everybody, but I think it definitely... I think if people are more kind to themselves, that a lot of times it's a lot easier to have to deal with, you know, all the bullshit around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Self-talk is one of my favorite things because I, you know, I hear you, Gabe, oh, I can't help everyone, but I'm absolutely one of those therapists where, like, am I applying this with pretty much every single client? Absolutely, and it seems to have helped every single one of them so far, kind of a thing. That's awesome. Um, I huge, 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 huge fan of positive self-talk, um, and even just being able to acknowledge how often we engage in negative self-talk can really help us turn it around. Because I've just in my practice, a lot of what I do is like, wow, that sounded harsh. I'm like, oof, that's how you talk to yourself, and it can kind of be presented almost in like a humorous manner. But just the amount of times people say like, you know, I can't give a good example but you know just something like oh because I'm an idiot so I couldn't figure that out and mm. it's kind of like oh oh wait what we're an idiot 
are you an idiot or was it confusing and you were confused mm-hmm. like can it just be a momentary state instead of who you are um, so I think that positive self-talk is huge for everyone but particularly for people within the community yeah and on, on the other point you know if you are just constantly talking negative to yourself from my experience it stings a lot more when someone says something negative to you it just does mm. Yep. Because it kind of brings up those thoughts that you already have about yourself. And that's why it like, stinks. It's like validating. <laughs> yeah. 